Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay. And I'm Aiden. It's been an unfortunate 22 unbeaten run coming to an end after a very flat performance against Southampton. Yeah, it was really disappointing. You know, I was actually expecting a bit more battle, you know, graft in the game, but it was like a first Premier League start for <clears throat> Koscielny. Um, in a way, I thought, you know, just in a way, somewhat worried about having this sort of game. You know, on paper, it might look now simple. But I just think, looks like Hampton are a very physical side, whether Charlie Austin plays or, you know, whatever, because they are a team, they like attacking from the flanks. And... Look, as we're going to discuss now with the game, I mean, that was going to eventually be our undoing. I think we took it for granted we were playing Southampton as well. I think even though players say, no, they take it game by game, but I think if you're playing a struggling Southampton, you're not going to be at your 100% sharpness because you think that you'll be able to take advantage and beat the hapless uh, Southampton at the moment. And I mean, uh, when I remember uh, watching the game now, it's almost like we again allowed the, the opponent to overrun us. And, you know, problems that we had already with, with, with Danny Ings. I mean, look, he, he's had a torrid uh, career, you know, like when he, especially with the move from Burnley to Liverpool, where he's had like, you know, an injury, or, uh, you know, constantly injured at Liverpool. And then now with this, almost like a second chance now at, at like redemption, you know, he's really stepped up to the plate especially now this last few games for, for them. But <clears throat> with regards to the game now again, you know, constantly with the, with the flanks, when they were whipping in crosses and that, we were always having problems with it. And now, you know, I was always like dreading the thought because I'm like thinking, look, at one point, one of these balls are going to drop right for him. And then uh, it came into the, what was the 20th minute, uh, the Matt target, Playing, you know, fantastic because he was always like getting those overlapping runs on that on that flank where where uh, Bellerin was playing, and he, you know, almost like a peach of a cross, he whoops across onto Denning's head. But I mean, for me, the 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 biggest headache was the fact that you know that that the doubt that was in uh, Koscielny's head because he did not know whether to clear the ball with his foot or try to enter the ball clear. And you could see he was in two minds as the ball came across. And in that time, that he, you know, that, that, that split decision of of doubt, that's when Danny Ings jumped in and headed past Bent Leno. Uh, I think Koscielny showed a bit of it. I know a lot of people say maybe like ring rust almost because you could see it was a guy that was off the pace quite badly. Like, I didn't even recognize Koscielny when he was playing. And... He, he was making really silly mistakes, getting caught of guard, and they made uh, Danny Ings look almost like Harry Kane at the moment. He was yeah. such a small like guy, made out muscled, uh, centre backs, and it also looked like you mentioned with us slow, um, starting slow. It show, um, so they then almost showed a kind of that same pressing game that Huddersfield did that troubled us at the Eminence. I mean, then we managed to you know somehow get our foot back on the ball again and and you know, turn defense into attack somewhat and then, you know, started really pushing and pressing uh, Southampton back. And then our, the breakthrough came again for us in the 28th minute when a fantastic cross by Nacho Monreal, also, you know, making his return to the squad. 
he's met by uh, like the stooping header by Mkhitaryan, which he just heads perfectly past McCarthy in the Southampton goal. So we went one one, and I'm in my mindset. I was thinking, okay, we're in the game now to somehow you know just get a real foothold in the game and you know see it out, even if it was not seeing it one one till halftime, something like it, where we can you know build upon that. And then no sooner I'm not thinking down that line in the what was it forty fourth minute. Yeah. Again, uh Kosielny era as Nathan Redmond. But I mean look, Nathan Redmond's always been a um, you know thorn in our side when we've been playing in the size that he was in. And he manages to eat a you know perfect cross and again Kosielny just ball watches. Lichsteiner doesn't also give him probably a shout in advance. And Danny Ings jumps in between the two of them. I mean, again, the short one of the shortest guys there. Out jumps both and headers pass Spend Leno again. So we two one down going into half time. And okay. once again, we concede before half time. It's happened against Bournemouth. And I can't remember the other team, but we we very I think the team's concentration switches off before half time because it's the same thing every time before half time. I don't know. Everybody needs to get this sorted out. Because I mean I, I, one thing also I remember oh, after the it happened after the first goal and as we're going to still now discuss the, our equalising goal there were players in the team telling the rest like I think Guidozi was also showing them you know calm down now like you know yeah. what you're in just like you know get uh, concentrate more and not just go attack 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 and then I mean we end up with Ballon being injured on the stroke of half time having to be subbed in, uh, subbed out, and then like I said, coming in, which means again it was tweaking the the squad, so, you know, the squad system. Uh, Fifty three minutes, uh, Oriol Romeo gets caught in position. Uh, ball breaks to Mkhitaryan, who does you know a bit of fancy footwork, and then has a, a shot at goal. But it, it kind of looked quite, quite tame with the first deflection, and then I think it takes a second deflection of Vestergaard. Which of course sends the keeper the wrong way, and the ball trickles into the net for us. Two-two. I think we were lucky to actually get that uh, second chance to make it two-two. Although before that, I think Aubameyang also spurned a golden opportunity. I think which could have tied the game at that point, and then made this three-two with Mkhitaryan. I just feel that Aubameyang is missing the easier chances that he should be putting away. And then in the something like the seventieth minute, I believe uh, we bring on uh, Mesut Özil for Alex Iwobi. And you know, as I discussed with you, I mean, look, look, the spot we do is you know giving our own take and our own opinions. And I mean, I know Mesut Özil has probably a you know a big fan base with listeners and stuff like that. But I just think that substitution made absolutely no sense. As much as I love Emery, it made zero sense because. I thought at that point, you know, you needed a player on the ball. Whether it's, you know, I'm not saying that to be now an attacking mid or stuff like that, but you needed somebody, a midfielder, that can, you know, not only put his foot on the ball and dictate the pace, the, the pace of the, of play, but also physically add something to the team. And, you know, it's almost like everything just started drifting past Ozil within, I think, something like five minutes. I think he had a few, uh, you know, safe touches and, and, and safe little back passes or side passes. But then after that, he just started getting overrun. And I mean, he had absolutely no answer to the likes of Hoiberg. I mean, he was dictating everything and, and that Romeo guy was also pressing him so hard. I mean, he did not even have time on the ball. 
And I mean, you could see he's not somebody that wanted to now, you know, do that little fancy touches and stuff, but that was not, not going to work for him, especially in a game like this where you've got the Southampton team under new management and also, you know, fighting for their life, for their lives. You know, if you think of how they, they were struggling in the Premier League before. I would have actually brought on Ramsey, Ramsey personally, and, mm. and I thought he was going to do that. I honestly thought, just like you said, when he brought Uzel on, I looked kind of bemused because I was thinking, why? This is not the type of game for Uzel. You didn't bring him on against Bournemouth. Why are you going to bring him on against Southampton when it's also a rough and tough game? And he was the reason of that um, that third goal coming to play from Southampton. Yeah, that's what I was now going to touch on because in the 85th minute, uh, I think Ozil was trying to also, you know, run almost like in circles with the ball, gets dispossessed. And then, I mean, I, I watched on the goal, I think, three or four times over again because I, I needed to almost like, almost like reg- really register what I saw because when he loses the ball to that Hoiberg, because look, uh, Southampton were doing a very tight press. When he loses the ball, you see Ozil backing off, which I could not believe. And then Mkhitaryan is taking a few steps away from where the action is. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Because, I mean, that is now not, you know, in the way we've been playing, like, prior to that in those games before. And then uh, Hoiberg, of course, look, he's not a mug. So, I mean, he ends up playing a perfect through ball, which, you know, dissects our defense. Because, I mean, uh, uh, Shane Long was already running into that pocket of space because our players on the left, because I think Xhaka was also playing in, in, in defense, there was also nobody uh, at, at the left-back position. So that ball gets played into that pocket of space. And it's almost like I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Because, I mean, you're already, you know, you're thinking in advance, what can happen? And my eyes already started falling to Charlie Austin coming from the outside flank there. And then you could see uh, Shane Long. Had, I mean, I, what I couldn't believe was the amount of time he had to actually stop the ball, look up. See where Charlie Austin was, and then he lofts in a like one of I mean, it was a gem of a pass. Yeah. And I mean, it goes over the heads of all the defenders. Ben Leno, of course, since he was now already heading outside of his box when the ball broke in midfield, he when he started backtracking, I could actually notice. Look, I'm not saying I'm a, uh, a renowned goalkeeper, but I mean, I have some sort of expertise in goalkeeping. and when he started backtracking, I knew he did not know where he was because he was trying to put his hand out to get some sort of judgment, like, you know, where he is. And the more he was, like, backtracking towards his line, he did not know because by the time I think he got to the six-yard line, you could see he was already lost. The minute that cross was going to come over, I knew that's it. That will be the goal. Because, I mean, I, I actually didn't want us to be sucker punch, but then I knew that is where the thing is gonna, the, the punch is going to come because by the time that ball goes over his head, and he's di- like, you know, he's jumping for the ball. You can see he's not even getting, I think, barely a fingertip he's getting onto the ball. And yeah, I mean, he must badly. It lands onto Charlie Austin's head, and I mean, he's barely putting power behind it. He's just directing the ball goalward, and that was the end of us there. Uh, I think if, if he could have even gone, like, you know, back to his line, he could have pulled the save off. But once he committed and was charged so badly, it was like, basically a tap in. I mean, and to concede three headers as well. In the game against Southampton, uh, it was it was quite shocking, actually. I mean, for me, it, it was as I, I think I messaged you after the game or a day or so after the game. I mean, it actually felt like a kick to the gut because you're on that run of of what was twenty two games, and you think to yourself, you know, I can handle it if we come unstuck. But I mean, to come unstuck in this sort of fashion, I think it, that's why I did home by a lot of Arsenal fans probably. 
and and it's three points dropped. We're three points behind. We're off the pace now. Mm-hmm. And now another question is going to be asked of Arsenal now: Is this a sign of things to come now, or is it just a minor blip? A lot of it's going to be uh, actually an interesting time now to see how the players are going to react to this. I mean, like what worried me somewhat was I mean I was listening to Gunner Vlog his video the other day on 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 YouTube, and he was saying something like, um, you know, have or has Emery reached the peak, you know, of, of getting the maximum out of the steam. And, and now we're starting to, you know, eat, almost like we eat a limiter. And now comes that, that you know, almost like not, not free fall, but, you know, being rocked back now where we would have, you know, we were going on high, but we were also not playing fantastic football after the Tottenham game the, the, in, the, in the league. So it's almost like we've reached the peak and now we were almost like scraping against Karabag. We were scraping against Huddersfield. And now it's like, you know, come unstuck now that the team goes toe-to-toe with us in, in that physical sense. And you remember Arsenal misses you in the game where I told you, yeah, Arsenal could, you know, physically, you know, get the edge over, over Southampton, say from the hour mark onwards. I don't know if I said it in the podcast. Also. And for me, it's not like Southampton actually got stronger yes. you know, later on in the game. Now that actually scared me because I was waiting for Southampton to tie and I'm watching and I'm watching. I'm like... But this team is not, you know, allowing Arsenal any freedom like other teams are. So it's quite worrying. And like we've mentioned, we have been riding the wave, mm. haven't been putting good performance in. And I think it was bound to catch up to us eventually. Albeit, we are missing a lot of defenders, our key defenders. We are missing the Mustafis who've been playing most of the season, Rob Holding. Socrates was missing as well. So I think this defence needs to be sorted out in January. Oh, we could struggle quite badly. You know, Mike, my opinion on, on the defensive issue is, you know, I would actually, I would prefer having more players than, you know, make do. Because for me, I still find it somewhat suicidal letting, say, somebody like Chambers go and whatever. Because that is where I think Emery, in a way, over it all. Uh, yeah, not overestimate, uh, something like that. But he... You know, he really thought, okay, this squad for this amount of games can do it. But I think when he allowed people like, say, Chambers to go or, you know, some other, like even Reese Nelson to go, it's almost like you're cutting some of your options down. We, you know, would have had excess with actually some weekends. You could have like, say, one or two of the defenders, you know, have their feet up, let them rest like for a, like a seven-day period or five-day period where you actually give them a full rest. Now we're at a stage of the season where these guys are not going to get that that sort of respite. So it's almost like play, play, play. And it's almost like when you get injured, that's probably when you're going to get a break. Or, or if you have a, you know, a strain or something, then you probably might get a break if you're lucky. My worry is that Koscielny could be pushed into the red zone quite quickly because there's no other alternative really but to play him. And with the likes of Liverpool coming up soon, they are going to get the run at him. And I'm just worried that he may have a relapse of one of his injuries again. I mean, my my personal take is I would actually let that, that Zach Medley, you know, get like a few cameo roles. I mean, look, I, I don't know how the, the plans are going to be now going into, you know, the coming weeks and especially with us playing Liverpool, I think, on December 29th. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, even if if, uh, if you take... Uh, look, I don't want to jump too, too far ahead because in the podcast with regards to the Burnley game, but I'm just trying to think... Maybe, you know, give him a, a 15 or 20 minute cameo against Burnley, say, today or something like that. You know, we, he just gets that feel of physicality. Because for me also, that 
with Koscielny coming back into the side, with that game being so easy against Karabakh and then getting a like going from like a, a simple game to a hundred miles per hour type game, I think that was totally you know that took the wind totally out of Koscielny's sails. What happened to that Greek youngster? Is he still injured or something? Or that he, he's, recovering, something? he's recovering from a thigh slash groin strain. So look, they don't want to push that too much, but I think that. He could also even be a savior going to the new year. I mean, maybe we as well we would have say it brought in two center backs. We can maybe just bring in one, and then you have Mavropanos then in. But I, I still think that is where the core, if whatever money that we do have for the for the uh, you know for reinforcements in January, I think that is the way to go. Rather have somebody extra, even bring like two bodies in, like one a real senior type of center back and. Maybe an up-and-coming type centre-back to come through, even if they have to buy one also. We can all see how important if, uh, proper centre-back is. You see the massive turnaround Liverpool had when they signed Van Dijk last season. Yeah, we need something more dominant because uh, what, what boggled the mind somewhat was at one point going to the, the last few games, we've had someone like Granit Xhaka in the central of defence and then you got actual centre-backs playing left and right of him and you're thinking, why? I mean... You need a, a a solid, you know, a solid defender that can command his, his area, his defense, playing in that middle part. You can't take somebody that's almost like a makeshift person and put him in there and allow him to, you know, dictate it to the defense. They could have personally moved Montreal center back and maybe then push Anthony Mater Niles left back in the Southampton game and then instead of using Jacques in that position. Because, mm. I mean, uh, it's rather a rap on that because it's actually getting, since we have to still get into more depressing news. <laughs> oh, so yeah, we got yeah. game. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't see that game a lot. I think a lot of the Carabao games, they, they don't really show away on Super Sport or anything like that. So I'm going to think leave this one up to you just to maybe inform me how the game went, what happened, any action points. Okay, you know the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way I, you know, I actually witnessed something. I mean, I've been watching football. I've been playing football also for years. And I actually witnessed something quite shocking for a top team. And it's it almost like it set the tone of the game. The game kicks off. And Aaron Ramsey and Aubameyang are the ones that are sent to spot. And Aaron Ramsey passed the ball to Aubameyang. And I do not know if Aubameyang was daydreaming or watching himself on the big screen or something. <laughs> He stands and he looks like, I mean, elsewhere and the ball gets, the ref blows, Ramsey kicks off and the ball goes straight to Son. And I mean, Son plays the ball immediately, you know, so that Spurs get position. I'm thinking to myself, is this how the, the tone is going to go of this game? And, you know, that said now, for me, with the, with, the, with the game, I mean, of course, everybody knows the result. But it also, it also showed <clears throat> Spurs were faster than us. They wanted it more. And I just think we were almost like trying to find our feet and Spurs never gave us that time to find our feet. And everything was fast. They were faster to attacking headers uh, at our goal. They were fast at defending headers when, when, uh, or, or shots at our goal. They were just, you know, for, for a team that took a, a walloping, I mean, it was a walloping they got at the Emirates when they played us in the league. But I mean, they were sharp. I mean, it was it was actually scary to watch them play. And I, I was just thinking, my mindset was already going to when we have to face them at White Hart Lane. That was how my that's how dominant they were. And I was thinking, geez, this is probably going to be the tone they're going to set when we have to go there next year. 
And then um, the goal for, uh, that, that Son scored, it was also kind of shocker because everybody gets pushed, go, go, goes forward. I think it was on one of our attacks. And I mean, the, the goalie catches the ball. And I'm not, my mindset is thinking, where are our holding mids, Torreira, Quintosi? Those guys are middle or on the edge of the Tottenham box. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And the ball gets floated right over. At that point where the ball gets floated over to Deli Ali, Socrates slips. And he, like, he slips, but he tries taking Deli Ali with him. But of course, Deli Ali shrugs him off, controls the ball, looks up. And since our left flank is also still in the other half, which is uh, Montreal at the time, the ball gets just lofted over everybody. It lands straight at uh, Son's feet. And I mean, he's off. I mean, the minute the ball's at his feet, his head is already going, you know, goalwards. Yeah. And I mean, he, uh, I already thought, okay, yes, going to be problems with Then he started, you know, since he had another time to pick his spot. He just waited till Chick started coming out, sliding at him, and then he just chipped him. And I thought, okay, deserve, but where were our holding mids? And I mean, this is now the thing that, that you know, adds to the frustration because I can understand if we get totally out-muscled or whatever, but I mean, to, to concede a goal like that where you're at home and you're playing with like two holding midfielders and stuff like that and you concede a goal like that, and I'm thinking, no, man, that's not, not right. So that was the one I saw for me. And then... Also, the, the other problem that we had, we are very wasteful with our chances. Because yeah, I agree every time there are these games where, like Obama Young, a car in my head, he gets a shot on target. What does he do? He panics just because he's like, you know, gets, uh, you know, uh, gets distracted somewhat and he drags the shot wide. I mean, he's not even working the keeper. That is also another thing. If, if my team loses or whatever, I expect, okay, Test that keeper, push him to the max, whatever. Then I can understand. Yes, I can take the defeat like it, but don't do stuff like it. Where your your teammates are trying to you know open that path for you, and you end up just you know dragging shots or you know just like, and shrug your shoulders at the miss. Because I was thinking, okay, you missed the chance now. You know, you know, buckle down and you know try harder. But I mean, it's not like the, he he's not like becoming so wasteful, and then he, he gets he's kind of. Lacks on the situation where you know we just shrug shoulders and it's like ah oh well, and I think that is where Emery needs to also maybe haul him out for a few games something like that because for me he's just not doing it at the moment. I mean I know he's got a he has a brilliant scoring run in the Premier League for us, but I just think he's too casual with his finishing. Man, sometimes I think you know where you have somebody like Lacazette as a natural finisher, he needs one touch whatever and he pops a goal whether he's going to walk you or not. I also think that 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 um sorry to go off the game, but I also think Aubameyang is not showing that same form he did at Dortmund, where he actually did more add more to his game than just your goals, your tap ins and stuff like that. He literally used to take on defenders, you know, turn him inside out and make things happen. But I don't see that much anymore. No, you see, I've, like the, my take on it is, I think he knows, like since he's now that marquee signing that we have. You know, it's not like he's just going to be dropped at, you know, whatever. But I just think, since Emery is somebody, you don't care about the reputation, whatever. I think he can, he'll pull you if he, you know, if he don't see anything positive coming from him. And I think he needs maybe a wake-up call like that because he's not really being threatened. Because look, with Welbeck now out injured, and we've got just got Eddie Nketiah as a, a backup to Lacazette and, and him. 
I, I think that is where he takes advantage of that, you know, that situation of, of being another, you know, main man. That's what I think when we do bring in a forward, I think it has to be somebody also with, with somewhat of a name that can also depose him of that spot if need be. And I think then you'll probably see, you know, Aubameyang going full throttle again to, you know, win his place back. But I think for now, that is in a way almost like a danger line for us where he now knows, okay, I'm guaranteed a, a start now because there's not much of an option, you know. It's not like they're going to say, oh, yeah, and Eddie and Ketia, you're going to yeah. lead the line against Burnley or you're going to lead the line against Liverpool, stuff like this. You know it's not going to happen. So that is where I think get luck as it in. And I mean, maybe use January to get, even if it's somebody coming in on a loan type of thing, or a loan deal, get something like that in. Because we do need that, that extra option because I think that is where we also now see what we miss with Welbeck. Yeah, he actually played a, a you know a pivotal part, even though those off the bench or in those odd odd games here and they actually added something, you know, that extra burst of pace. And like you said, also made Aubameyang look over his shoulder for a spot in the team. Um, then with regards to the game again, uh, Mkhitaryan had to be subbed because I mean you got tackled quite heavily by um, Lucas Moura, and then uh, Kosielny came on, and I was thinking, oh. You know, goodness, now we down that path again. <laughs> and, you know, we tried to you know come back a bit stronger second half because, I mean, it was like a, a period, I think, from the 48th minute on to about the 50th where we were trying to press and press and press. And, but, I mean, look, Spurs were holding us at bay at all costs. So, I mean, like, for, with, with all our, you know, attacking prowess, we still looked vulnerable because... I mean, as the commentator was saying, you know, we're going forward, but uh, like uh, they were just saying, it takes one ball, one long ball or whatever, and then we again outnumbered. And well, this is what, what frustrates me uh, with uh, with Emery sometimes as a coach. I mean, you, you can see the thing playing out, and then you, I mean, we, we are the, you know, what they are taught in training, like, you know, somebody hold a layback for that, that for any counters, because it's like we don't do that. It's like the uh, the, the old that's where uh, that gripe that I, I told you the other day that I'm having slowly on the air with Torreira. Because look, he's a, a fantastic player, don't get me wrong. But I just think in games like this, especially, you cannot go that. And uh, look, unless you've got Tottenham on the ropes, then fine, the holding mid can push up forward. But if you're not sure of what to expect like, of Tottenham, because for me, even that should have been the marker going into that, that first half of the Carabao Cup game oh, against Spurs now. When they started saying, look, we're going to get overrun, then sit back, take this thing out of the game. But it's like, it was almost like a rush of blood to the head for people like uh, Gwendozi and Torreira because they were so in advanced roles. And I'm thinking, why? Because, I mean, Tottenham were playing with, with guys just hanging back. They were not, you know, like Sissoko would like just come now and then venture over into our off. But other than that, they would just sit in, the, in their off and then, you know, try to break up or frustrate us with the ball. Um, then back, you know, with regards to the game again, Harry Kane gets subbed in on the 58th minute. And then it didn't take him even long to make an impact on the game. A minute later, ball comes over again, ball watching by, uh, I think it was Granit Xhaka. It, it just, I mean, it just shows that he's not cut out to be a center back. He just watches the ball. And I mean, the minute the ball comes down, because Harry Kane still brings the ball down with his chest. And in that moment that Kosielny is trying to make up numbers 
sprinting back again. I do not know why he's so far forward. Because it's not like we were overrunning the game in a way. So, of course, Kasialny starts tracking back. But with Hurricane lo uh, lofting the ball over, over, he does not know that Delhi Ali is actually, you know, busting a gut and sprinting forwards. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, in another era. And, of course, Kasialny just watches the ball looping over him. Ball comes to uh, Delhi Ali. And, I mean, then it was already one against one with the keeper because there was no way the defender on the on the right flank was going to cover and there was also no way Kosialny with his dodgy Achilles is going to catch up. <laughs> but I mean, Deli Ali then, of course, sets himself perfectly up, which most top midfielders do or goal-scoring midfielders. And he just chipped Peter Cech. I mean, Peter Cech was already sprinting full speed towards him. And I mean, he just timed his, his uh, run, of course, and he just waited till Cech did somewhat of a drop and then he he lofted the ball over him, and that was it. Two no game set and match. But it's been a very quite a negative week. But it's just the thing I wanted to mention. I know a lot of negative, but I think the one positive is that if you had told us after the first two games of the season that we would have gone twenty-two unbeaten, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would have put your hand to take that. So I know it's a a, a bad time at the moment, bad patch. But I think if we can, you know put another run together from two losses again. Can maybe, you know, put us in a good steed for that uh, top four chase. Look, I, I, I'm not... <clears throat> as frustrating as it is and, and as annoyed it made me, you know, I'm not throwing really in the towel with, with the, the squad or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I just think a bit more discipline in the team and a bit more um, ruthlessness. Up front is yes, definitely. That, 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 needs two, to be that two points could be key going into the new year. Even that there's a Liverpool game. But uh, look, Liverpool game is a game you, you're going to probably have to weather also a storm for at Anfield especially. But I just think, because for me, you know, what, what frustrated me somewhat uh, watching these training videos, um, there's a lot of, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, have fun and whatever under new management and stuff like that. But for me, it's like there's a lot of goofing around. There's too much of that rondo stuff that they're doing, which you can only do for so much. But I mean, training also, there's other factors to it, not just doing rondos till you touch the 20 and then go on, you know, jumping on each other, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, more focus because, you know, I was watching uh, now a few sessions already where um, Arsenal's uh, fitness coach is now uh, that one that Emery brought. He's not doing stuff with him, eh? and I was like, my eyes were like just going on every player, seeing who's doing. I mean, it's, it's a simple ob observation type of thing, but I was just watching who were doing this stuff, and you know, the people, someone like Obama Young and them, were like goofing around. You know, like when they're supposed to do that, 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 that little jumping jacks or, or sprinting. Oh, yeah. Then he does it like you know half-heartedly, and I'm thinking to myself, look, someone like this is somebody who must actually pull aside and say, look, you're either going to take part. Normally with training, or you don't take part in training. Because fun and games you can have after training, you socialize with your teammates and whatever. But for me, fitness-wise and focus-wise, that is where you need to, you know, focus your game on. Because there's too much of this this little, you know, playfulness. I mean, I, as I said, I don't mind for that camaraderie and stuff like that, but there's also time and a place for everything. And I think that is where somebody like, like, I think Gwendozi is also like, you know, using 
Obama Young is his mentor. So of course, when when Obama Young is goofing around, he is goofing around. So that, coming? Yeah. No, that's what we're going, go 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 No, no, no. I'm not done. No, that's the point I'm to make. It's like oh, uh, that actually comes into maybe Obama Young's game, like whether you know um, subconsciously where you're not taking things seriously all the time. You know those those easy finishes. Sometimes yeah. those little things, and people may think that you know it's just having fun and training but if you focus all the time and when the time comes in the game to do your thing that is maybe when also you let it lapse because you're not giving everything in training as well you know that is also a point down to make with regard i mean i hate doing it but when you make a comparison to say spurs and arsenal at the moment if you take league form spurs are a team that will force the issue till the end whether it's going to be a scuffed goal or you know a bundled ball over the end but they do not give up i mean Look at that game that they play now. We're playing now the team that last played Spurs in the league, Burnley. And, you know, it took almost like a scruffy effort from Ericsson to win them that game. But Spurs did not give up. They kept on forcing the issue as much as, as Burnley tried to frustrate. They, they forced the issue. And, I mean, you look at, at Tottenham's games this season, especially when they come off a, a bad run or, a, you know, a bad result. They have always forced the issue and always uh, just look at the amount of 1-0 wins that Tottenham have had this season. They force games to, you know, to get the result. And I think that is where we are lacking at the moment. We we rode our luck for more often than not. But I mean, for me, you should actually have, like when you watch Tottenham play, you know, okay, that goal is going to come. Whereas with us, you don't know, is it going to come or is it going to a frustrating game? Speaking of Burnley, I know we're um, playing the next game. And the thing I wanted to bring up with him... Um, Sean Dyke actually changed the formation going against Spurs. So he normally goes like a 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. And against Spurs, I just hope Arsenal watch out for this. He went to the 5-4-1 to almost stifle them. And he restricted them to only three shots in that game. And they're going to come with that same tactic, I think, with a kind of, I just feel plan where they're not going to attack. They come to the Emirates for a point. So, yeah. wasn't it? so we yeah, that, have actually, to, that was actually my point that I wanted to bring up because look, we now uh, did a rap now with the, the Carabao Cup game. Um, yeah, so I think with regards to that Burnley game, yes, it's going to be a frustrating game because look, Daesh is somebody, if he knows, you know, he's coming up against a side that can be creative and then he's going to stifle whatever, you know, creativity you have as a team. So, I agree with that 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 pointers that you now brought up because you will probably go again either five for one or at times I saw in that in that when I watched the Tottenham game against uh, Burnley the other day, you also sometimes would switch to like you know when they want to get a bit more adventurous then you'll maybe just add a a player to the midfield so it's like a four five one again but he keeps on that you know flooding whatever and then they just revert to like a long ball tactic or stuff like that to you know catch out the opponent. So that is where I think we should also be careful because sometimes we get, you know, very expensive with our football. So we try to widen the game and that and that sometimes can also catch us out, you know, because look, they're going to have a runner that since the defense is not really solid at the moment, that can, you know, just pick up little pockets in the in, in the defense of ours. What we need to be careful of is we might get bullied in the air, you know, set pieces and corners. As they saw, we probably were very vulnerable against Southampton. Uh, so... I'm just worried that I think the likes of Ashley Barnes and then we're still there, but he's always such a uh, handful, always with the uh, teams that we come up against him. So I just hope we don't get out muscled. You know, speaking of Ashley Barnes, I mean, that 
again on to back to that game of, of the, the Burnley Tottenham thing. He actually had quite a few chances in the game. That I think if he had been more composed, he could have punished Spurs because that is the thing that, that worries me again with us. In the time that, that he gets the ball, like especially uh, that Barnes guy now, you know, people like Alderweireld is like, you know, quick on his toes. And I think sometimes if we don't do that, because I think we sometimes, we either overcommit and give away a stupid foul or we, you know, just back off and that's going to cost us. So I just hope, you know, a bit more focus today. And especially because for me, it's annoying the, the lack of discipline we've been having the last two games, especially because for me, you didn't watch another Carabao Cup game, but I tell you, there's been stupid, stupid fouls being given away by us. Like out of, you, you know, like when you're taking all your hard work to get yourself into the, the opposition area of the box and then, uh, you know, clipping people in the box or shoving people, like, you know, not even doing it subtly, you know, to get away by the ref. Like, I mean, there was one in that, that, that uh, Carabao Cup game where Quindosa, like just shoves a play off the ball. And there was one where, where I'm not sure which uh, centre-back of, of Spurs it was, you know, sidestep the ball into the box. And this is now when we were pushing, we were really 2-0 down. And Nacho Monreal just kicks that guy's feet out from under him. And I'm thinking, how do you think you're going to get away with this? So it's almost like physically, we need to, you know, be more focused because it's like, you can't also, you know, lose the plot completely where, you know, people are just hacking and kicking out at players. I mean, that's not like the Arsenal way of playing. Uh, so we're like a bit of a dilemma now with, with coming up. Do you start Lacazette and Aubameyang today? Either way, or... I would like to spearhead with, with, with Lacazette. Either way, I would like to start with him. We don't think we should go two up front. I know uh, we tried it against or the Huddersfield and it didn't work too well because the guys behind him weren't too creative. So I think, like you mentioned, probably, like I said, maybe needs the the start since he hasn't had one actually in the Premier League for a bit. Look, whether you you play like um, Aubameyang or not, like I said, at least is going to give you that hold up of the ball, which is Aubameyang never does that. So, you know, that is where, where that is one of the strengths. I think that's also where we do miss a, a Giroud-type player, you know. Whereas, like I said, he's quite short, but I mean, he's quite strong. But I think sometimes you do need that, you know, tall, lanky centre-forward just to do that sort of hold-up play. That can, you know, hold up one or even two people at the same time. I actually have uh, asked Chelsea we can't have Giroud back in January because if you look back at his contributions to the club and actually was taken for granted because I know he wasn't, you know, this high profile striker, but he worked out well off the ball and I'm sure every could have used a guy like him for our set pieces that to defend and to attack. And I think it stands out even more now that we, you know, like a striker short now. Now you can see, you know, in which department we do like. I just hope uh, January, like you mentioned, we go out there and go get shopping for a striker and definitely a centre-back. Mm. Okay, so I think that's like the end of our podcast for today on the 22nd of December as we're knocking on Christmas door. Um, I would like to take the time to wish out all our fellow Gooners all over the world a fantastic festive season and hope you guys enjoy a great Christmas with your family and friends. Bye. And thanks, guys, for the support.